Another Way to Play, episode 19. Hey, this is Amanda Hahn, Assistant Managing Director at Keystone CPA. If you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my friend Hans Strunzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Amanda Hahn. She's the person who's going to help you keep more of those dollars once you start leveraging and getting out of the nine to five rat race. She has over 18 years of experience as a CPA with a special emphasis on real estate, self-directed investing, and individual tax planning. She started her career as a member of the big four where she met her husband and they ultimately uh, worked together uh, in the same office and then went out on the entrepreneurial path and started their own firm at Keystone. Uh, they are frequent contributors uh, and educators on Bigger Pockets. They've written a book on the tax book at Bigger Pockets. Uh, they also blog on, on that site, which is how I found them originally, but they're also uh, uh, published over on uh, Time Magazine online, Realtor Magazine, and allbusiness.com. She is certified by the California State Board of Accountancy as a member of the prestigious uh, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants participating in all 50 states. Amanda and I have a really great conversation today. Uh, a couple of things we touch on that you should absolutely pay attention for. We talk a little bit about the the intersection of your passion and your unique ability. Uh, so look for that because that's a, a new one that not many people talk about. She also talks about time blocking and I'm <laughs> actually proud to say that I introduced that term to her. She didn't know what it was, but she says she lives by her calendar and gives some great advice as to why you should as well. And if you don't know where to get started, she talks about education, getting educated, but making sure you don't develop analysis paralysis, which there is a fine balance and she definitely talks about that fine balance. Before we get to that, I wanna remind you that I would love to connect with you personally. Uh, so if you go down to the show notes, my Calendly link is available there. We can have a 15-minute call. You can get on my calendar, speaking of living by the calendar. Uh, we can chat, connect. I can get to know you. You can get to know me. And hopefully I will learn how to make this show even better for you and for all the other listeners. So if you want to connect, look in the show notes. I'm down there. Get on my calendar and we'll get connected. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Amanda Hahn. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sitting down and, and being part of the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Hans. I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. Well, we, we just got into your, your bio and your intro just a few minutes ago. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of context? Like, where did it all start for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's really interesting. I think, uh, you know, for me, I always say I'm just such a, a normal person, kind of have a normal upbringing for any of our listeners who've read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. um, I sometimes tell people I, I kind of grew up with rich dad and poor dad. And 
it, except that it was one and the same person. <laughs> so my my parents um, actually were real estate investors, uh, as were my grandparents. Uh, so that's kind of like the rich dad in them, where you know they 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 did a lot. They were business owners. They were real estate investors. Uh, my grandpa actually started uh, a, a watch, a luxury watch uh, company back in Taiwan, uh, where I'm from originally. So it's kind of the, the rich dad part of, of my upbringing from my parents, and my grandparents, but really growing up, they, um, they really enforced, you know, the, the kind of the poor dad concept, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. going to school, get good grades, get a really secure job and just kind of work there and retire from your 401k. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so I thought that was really interesting that when I read the book, I'm like, Oh wow. I, I'm kind of in between, although my rich dad and poor dad were the same people. Um, but, you know, for me, it was such an eye-opening book, and that really led to uh, my transformation of, you know, looking at income and wealth planning and financial freedom uh, from a different perspective that, you know, was something I needed to supplement uh, in addition to, you know, having a good job and saving money and all that um, is to start looking at ways to create wealth uh, for myself and create financial stability uh, for myself. So... You're, you took this in a, in a very interesting way, because I think using the rich dad, poor dad analogy, you've, you've, you've been quite entrepreneurial, both in your personal life with some of your investments, but also with your business and the way you guys have marketed. And the way that I found you, as we were just mentioning, like through bigger pockets in some of your publishings with your book and some of the other stuff that you guys have done um, that is not maybe typical for most CPAs or accountants. Um, who are just kind of crunching numbers and doing their sole proprietorship thing. And, and what do you think led you to that path um, as opposed to maybe just doing the, uh, the big four or, or just being a, a sole proprietor with your own office? That is a great question. So, um, you know, when I, when I first started getting into real estate investing, I, you know, it was kind of a side thing that we did. So uh, my husband, Matt and I, we continued to work in the big four. Um, and uh, one of the clients we worked on um, was a, actually a CPA by the name of Diane Kennedy. And, um, and she had a business partner named David Finkel, and they had this program called the Maui Mastermind. Uh, and, and initially, my husband was there as a tax advisor uh, to teach people about, you know, how to use tax strategies for, for real estate and business. Uh, but that mastermind group, uh, they were really focused on business building. And so they talked a lot about passion. You know, what are you passionate about? Uh, what is something that you would do in your free time? You know, even, even if you didn't get paid, it's something that you're passionate about. And so looking at your passion, combining that with your unique ability, which is, you know, something that you're just really great at, uh, that you kind of have a unique talent or insight into and combining those two to then create a business. And, you know, for us, it kind of all clicked, right? We, we loved real estate. That was kind of our passion. We also had a passion for taxes, tax planning, which is also our unique ability. And they talked a lot about scaling the business. So building a business beyond just yourself, beyond Amanda and Matt having to be there day in, day out doing tax returns. Um, and, you know, just never kind of getting to that next level. So even before we started our business, even when we were working W2 jobs, um, we were always exposed to that concept of this is how you build a business. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate uh, to have heard that message because like you said, I think most tax advisors or CPAs 
probably don't um, build their business from that angle and they, they generally look at, okay, well, I'm going to start a business, uh, print up some marketing material, you know, go through family and friends and then referrals and, and word of mouth. And, um, and so we were really intentional that when we started out, we said, okay, we knew what we loved. We knew what we were good at. Uh, we like taxes, we like real estate, and we wanted to be hyper-focused and have a niche specifically servicing uh, real estate investors. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I think you know, that then led to, because we have that unique ability, that led us to you know, writing for podcasts and writing books and being interviewed on radio shows. And uh, so I think, you know, I just can't say enough about being very intentional when you start out kind of having a vision in terms of where you will end up so that every step of the way you, it's kind of going towards that goal. So, so you felt like you had a goal of um, having this niched business that, that kind of extended beyond yourself in, in this real estate space, and then you took it and reverse engineered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Uh, that's a good way to summarize. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, we always have a passion, you know, we've always had a passion for, for tax planning, and we love working with clients, and, and doing kind of the creative or strategic side of things. Um, but I also know just, you know, in service providers that I work with, um, you know, I just have a concern, like, hey, if I'm only, you know, if my attorney is a one person shop, what happens if he's on vacation? Or if he's sick, or you know, he has a baby, and who's going to answer my questions? Mm-hmm. And being in a big four, obviously, there's a lot in place to, to take care of all that, right? When one person's mm-hmm. not there, there's a whole team to help you. And so we really wanted to make sure we build that into our business. Um, so I mean, it took some time. You know, it's not like hey, you start of out course. and you're able to hire a great team. Um, but even within our team, you know, every year we have additional training for everyone, and we're always just trying to make sure that there's secondary and even, you know, a third or fourth person in case you're not available. Right. And you certainly do that. I mean, I'm as a, as a client of yours, I am uh, absolutely a beneficiary of that system because you're right. There's at least two or three people looking at my taxes and my strategy uh, at any given time. And I get an email back from you guys pretty promptly almost every single time. I can't actually can't even think of a time that I haven't gotten one back. So that's, it's awesome to to see that you're taking it beyond uh, the tax side of it specifically and getting into more customer service and building a business out that um, isn't just dollar driven or, or hour driven rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, we have um, any given point in time, you know, every month we, we, we kind of limit the number of new clients we take on. And the reason for that is because we want to be very intentional also in how uh, quickly or slowly we grow our practice too. So I know they're, you know, one of the most common feedbacks I get from client from, from new clients is they'll say, Oh, my CPA doesn't call me back or I don't get an email back. Um, and you know, sometimes it's because they're, you know, they're really busy with new clients getting mm-hmm. new business or out there marketing and all those are great things. But I think if that's being done to the detriment of servicing existing clients, uh, then it's kind of, you know, you have this negative reputation and, you know, it could turn into a, this, this angry monster. So for sure. us, uh, as 
as hard it is to turn away clients, uh, over time we've just learned, you know, so, so here's the number of new clients we can take on and still be able to service everyone existing uh, happily. And, uh, you know, I think that's worked out really well for us. You know, I, I guess it was a very hard thing to do in the beginning <laughs> to say, <laughs> oh, sorry, you know, we're not available or, you know, maybe call us in a month or two. Um, but I think in the, in the long run, it, it's done really well, not only for our clients, but I think for, for myself as a business owner uh, and for our employees, our internal team, um, so that not, we're not all very stressed out, you know, it's like, right. oh my gosh, too many clients and, and you're chasing, you know, chasing the work and then, then chasing the staff and chasing everyone down. So it helps us to, to maintain that work-life balance, which, you know, is so important in having a good business. Completely. You, you want to make sure that you have a sustainable uh, path that you're on so that you're not just totally burnt out after a couple of years and you implode. Yeah. <laughs> so um, backing up a little bit uh, in your, uh, what you said a few minutes ago, you, you mentioned something about um, the intersection of passion and your unique ability. A lot of people on this show, and I think in general, talk about pursuing your passion in business and the money will come, but I haven't heard too many people mention unique ability. Can you expand on that and what that that meant for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, unique ability is um, something that you're good at. Uh, maybe, you know, better than the average person. So maybe you have a unique ability in research, right? You're really good at researching things or you have a unique ability of thinking outside the box, take a situation and, and looking at it from different perspectives. Um, but the, you know, in addition to just kind of being good at something for it to be a unique ability, you also have to like it. I mean, I, I think you don't have to love it. It doesn't have to be like your favorite thing in the world, um, but it has to be something that you like, that you enjoy so that you tend to spend more money on it to then develop that from something that you're, you know, you're good at into something that you're great at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I define, you know, unique ability. Not that you're the best person at it, but it's just something that you're pretty good at and, you know, you enjoy doing. There's a lot there. And I think, I think getting joy out of something you, you do, and obviously having success at it can then bring more joy and then you get better at it and then you like it more. It's kind of this cool cyclical thing uh, that can lead you down a path. And then when you combine that with a passion of, uh, I like helping people save money on taxes, or I like putting people in the right house or help them with an investment or whatever it is, um, then it sort of hits this sweet spot. I think that that hopefully it becomes sustainable for, for a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the, the, I mean, I don't know what they're saying. People say, okay, if you do something you love, then the money will come, right? You'll make money Mm -hmm. at it because you're good at it and you love doing it. And I think that's very true. You know, there are people who are really good at something, but it's something they don't enjoy or they don't hate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, or that they hate. Sure. Sure. um, It's tough to, you know, be profitable at something. Um, And I think for me, work-life balance is so important. Right, because you you never know how long you have on this earth, mm-hmm. and so when you're here, um, you want to make sure that every day is you know that that you enjoy what you're doing, and it's not like oh my gosh, you know it's it's Monday again, or oh it's another work day again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so speaking of that idea, the you know <laughs> the drudgery of the typical kind of uh, work week that a lot of people experience, um, you're. You guys started off early working in the big four 
And I understand, you know, you guys were looking at uh, investing in real estate on the side, and then you eventually went out on your own and you've built this team. Like, can you talk about that transition of uh, coming out of the big corporate world and um, when you knew you wanted to switch to more of an entrepreneurial model and then more even specifically serve the real estate investor? From a risk tolerance level perspective, I'm a pretty conservative person. So starting out, you know, when, when I, after I read Kiyosaki's book, uh, at the time I actually ha- you know, happened to be working in the real estate group at the public the large public accounting firm. So I was already um, dealing with tax strategies in terms of real estate investors. Um, but Matt and I decided to buy our first investment property. It was probably one of the scariest things that we've had to do. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember signing the paper, you know, on the purchase contract. And, and I really felt like I was going to have a heart attack, uh, which seems silly now, you know, after all these years. But, uh, but, but the, the image of that is so clear still in my mind because it's kind of my first time doing something. You know, we saved up money for, you know, years and years of working in order to purchase that rental. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to overcome that hurdle and get into it, I think for me was the toughest part. Once we did that, we were like, oh, okay, well, you know, we could do it. And then, then what's the next step? You know, at some point, do we, you know, how do we foresee ourselves being um, uh, in public accounting at this firm forever? You know, do we want to become partners? Is this the environment, you know, how much control do we have in terms of how we service clients? Um, you know, for me, working at Deloitte, um, we worked on a lot of the, you know, large companies, the, the developers, builders, um, and even a lot of public companies like REITs. And although it was rewarding to be able to save taxes, it was very different than what we do at Keystone CPA. You know, for me, I know all of my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, you know, I know you on a personal level, uh, you know, you get married, you have kids. So, so when, when, there's a result, a good result of saving taxes. Um, I see that excitement, right? Or I can mm-hmm. feel the excitement of that. Versus when I was in public accounting, I didn't really get that. You know, if you saved a lot, if you saved a lot of taxes, it was to a corporation. There were shareholders that I don't know who they were, right? Thousands right. of shareholders. Um, and so that was something we decided. Okay, we want to start our own business and 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 you know and make sure that whatever we do, it's impactful to that particular taxpayer. Um, but the reality is, you know, starting out. Um, it was just something that we did on the side to test the waters and say, okay, start doing some taxes for a couple people here and there. You know, what are the kinks that we need to work out? Is this something we enjoy doing, right? Being a business owner, um, because you do have to wear a lot of different hats that, mm-hmm. that, that we didn't have to when, when we worked for a bigger company. Um, so once we kind of tested out the water, then we made the switch. We said, okay, let's, um, you know, we have to cut down our expenses because it would take a while before we made mm-hmm. enough money to replace our W-2 income. Um, but so but we, we made an effort to say, okay, we're going to cut our expenses. We'll maybe dig into savings as we start to build our own practice. And, um, you know, those were some difficult years uh, because it was also the year when I had my first son as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> leaving your job, leaving that security and then, you know, having a baby and building a business. But, you know, now I look back, it's like, I'm so glad I did all of that. Um, I learned so much in, in that transition. And, you know, I think at the end of it, I, you know, as hard, you know, some, some days were harder than others, but I really enjoyed the journey of, you know, going from where I was to where I am today. 
And, oh man, there's so much there to unpack. I mean, you, you took this big leap. You, you kind of set yourself up intentionally. You didn't just jump in and say, oh, I'm bored of this big, big firm at Deloitte. And I'm, I'm just, I need excitement. Boom. Next day I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty pretty intentional with it. It sounds like in, and you are already had sort of a, a few stepping stones in, in that you, you had purchased some investment property. So you knew that side of it. Um, and then ultimately strategically, I guess, pulled yourself out of that world and into the, um, into the entrepreneurial world with some baby steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I love that you said you were just doing a few people's taxes here and there on the side, because I think someone might look at your story and say, okay, cool. Like, I'm working in a big firm. I'd love to go out on my own and and be a consultant or be a CP on my own or whatever, but I don't have 10,000 clients and I don't know how to hire people. And and what you're saying is you, you really just sort of took like, Hey, can't, do I like doing somebody's taxes uh, who's in my network uh, on the side? And and is this something I can even pull joy out of and uh, even do successfully. And, and then sounds like that was the ba- first baby step that took you down that path. Yeah. And I think, you know, and not everyone is um, uh, destined to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I was in a big accounting firm, we had departments for everything, right? There's right. someone who made copies for you. There's someone who scans stuff. There's someone who scheduled your stuff for you. And, you know, one of the rude awakenings is like, well, when you're on your own, that's all you. So Amanda's making copies. Amanda's going to the post office. Amanda's going to the bank. Right. Uh, that was kind of a, you know, kind of a weird transition at first. It's like, well, my computer's broken. You know, where's IT? Who do I call? <laughs> it's like, yep. well, that would be me. Um, and I think some people, you know, uh, like myself, you know, you, you enjoy it, right? It's kind of shocking at first, but then you're like, oh, I can, this is interesting. I'm learning these different things that, that I never knew how to do. Uh, but I know there are other people I have other colleagues and friends who went out on their own and decided, you know, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I hate marketing. I really prefer not to do any of that stuff. And so you kind of get the comfort of, okay, let me go back to having a job and and I think having a full-time job is not the end of the world. It's, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's, it's a bad thing. Um, I have a lot of clients uh, and friends too, you know, who have a really great job. They really enjoy it. You know, don't really have a, a, a need or reason to stop working. Um, but I think, you know, the, the important thing though is whether you have a job or you have a business, it's really important to make sure that you are also uh, putting your money to work for you, you know, being mm-hmm. intentional in growing your wealth through investments as well. Because the reality is that, you know, there's limited time to how long we could be working, right? Actively working, whether your business or W-2. Um, at some point you might be retiring, you know, whether through your decision or through outside forces that's decided mm-hmm. for you. Right. Job or income might not always be there. So it's always good to start growing that, you know, other source of income sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, shoot, I couldn't agree more with that because I think a lot of people rely on those large salaries or even just consistent salaries. It doesn't even have to be large and think, ah, oh, it's good for now. It's going to stay this way. Uh, but that is something that is frankly going to change all the time. And I think most of our listeners are, are people who have sort of realized that. Um, 
you know, looking back on your experience with your baby steps and a lot of the clients that you see who either have that W2 job and then make investments and then maybe start out on their own or, or do start their own businesses or whatever the case is, like what are some of the basic things that someone can do in their current W2 situation that can then set them up for success if they do want to do investing in real estate or start their own business or their own practice? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the first step in anything is education. Um, and, you know, we don't mean, you know, a degree from a university, but just education on the basics of whatever you're getting into. So if you're looking to start a business, you know, uh, you know, podcasts, right? Like this one, yep. uh, podcast, uh, books, uh, blogs, there are a ton of very valuable, great free information now that exists um, that you can take advantage of. Uh, But I think there has to be a balance, right? So let's say you're someone who wants to get into real estate investing, you know, buy some books, read up about real estate, listen to some podcasts, you know, get on bigger pockets. Uh, so you get a general understanding of, you know, how do you invest in real estate? What are, what are your options in real estate investing? Is it going to be, you know, are you going to be, you know, be, being a landlord or uh, in-state, out-of-state? So those things to get a basic understanding about so that uh, you can take action and say, okay, here's, here's what I've decided and, um, and then pull the trigger. Um, one potential... Uh, issue that I see with a lot of people is too much information, right? On the flip side. And so because there's so much information, so much free information, sometimes I have clients who will say, hey, Amanda, I'm interested in, you know, buying rental properties in Texas. And, you know, two weeks later, they say, oh, actually, no, I attended another class. I'm not going to do apartment investing. <laughs> you know, and two days later, actually, I'm going to start doing a wholesale or maybe start my own subway business. So yeah, you yeah. get away from too much information where, you know, I, I, people call it analysis paralysis. Totally. You know, where you just are looking too much that you can't really hone in on something. So I think, you know, give yourself the time to get a general understanding uh, but when you decide on something, then be hyper, hyper-focused on taking action to, you know, turn that into an investment or a business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I, I totally agree with you. There are so many uh, free educational sources out there from Facebook groups to podcasts to books to events and you can get completely overwhelmed with it and everyone's making money doing or presume claiming to make money at least doing all of these various strategies and you can get shiny object syndrome. There's no question about it. And I mean, I've been guilty of it uh, myself and I'm, I am currently challenging myself to stay focused on like the two or three things uh, that I am, I am most profitable and most interested in and just let the rest go. And that, that has been harder than actually accumulating all the knowledge that I've accumulated over the past handful of years. Uh, <laughs> because I'm like, oh, there's an opportunity over here and over there and over there, you know. Yeah. But if, you, if you don't go deep on anything, it, it ultimately won't serve you in the long run. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think it's good that, you know, for us to identify, right, we all have those tendencies and myself too. It's like, oh, well, this is interesting. You know, maybe I want to get into this. or I wonder how it would work if I were to do this. Uh, and then take a step back and say, okay, wait, is that really, does that, is that in line with my overall goal? You know, is that something yeah. I'm really passionate about? I have a unique ability or is that just the shiny object that I happen to be interested? Because, it, you know, that's not a bad idea. It's just whether that's the best idea that I could mm. be, you know, or best use of my time. 
right now. Right. And I also heard you say like, once you pick something, just commit to it. And I, and I've heard that from a number of the guesses. Uh, if, if you're talking to somebody who wants to kind of go out on their thing, on their, on their own in some way or invest in real estate or do whatever it is, like pick something and just stick with it and try it for a while. And then if it really, if you give it the honest try and it does not pan out for you or just in general, then make a pivot, but, but give it, give it the shot to, to get there first. Yes. Yeah. I definitely agree. I mean, just like with anything you have to, yeah, you have to give it time. You know, I think, um, whether it's new business or real estate, you know, often people give up because like, Oh, well, you know, I made a couple offers, nothing good. So maybe real estate is not for me after all, (laughs) but you know, it takes more than just a couple offers, right? It takes more than a couple analysis of deals to find a good one that comes your way. And same for business. You know, if I just opened up my doors and I said, Hey guys, I'm a CPA. Yep. I don't think a lot of people are going to be running, you know, because there's CPAs everywhere. Right, right. But, uh, but yeah, it does take time. I mean, for us, you know, going, transitioning from, uh, you know, high stable W-2 to going out on our own, I think it took us a good year and a half to two years mm. where we were, you know, kind of almost at a, you know, similar income amount. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, starting out, it's, you know, it's a lot of hard work to, to build up the base and to put all the systems in place for the business. Totally. And, and it's fantastic that you had a partner in your husband to do that with. And I, although, as I say that, maybe some people would say, oh, you went in business with your husband? Like, this is crazy. Like, you know, family makes the worst business partners, but it seems like it's, it's working well for you guys. Yeah, well, you we actually met at work many years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We both worked at Deloitte. So, you know, maybe it was different because we've only known each other through work activities. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well, if you, if you had a piece of advice for somebody who was ramping up to uh, buy their first investment property, is there any, and let's say they're a W-2 and they've been there for a couple of years and they're, and they're making a decent amount and they're saving a little bit, like what are some of the things that they should be aware of uh, going into that, that, that if you were like, hey, go read this book or go learn about this before you, before you go on to the next step, is there something that jumps out at you that, that would be important to learn before they uh, jump in? Yeah, well, um, well, I'll just put my CPA hat on. <laughs> I'm sure there's so many things they need to do before jumping in. Of course. In, but I'll put my CPA hat on. I think one of the um, the biggest differences uh, is, you know, if, if it's someone that's just a W-2 uh, in the past, you know, there are not a lot of expenses that we can write off. Um, and so, you know, typically we don't, we, we, you know, we don't really think too much about taxes except for tax time. Uh, as a real estate investor though, you, you are now effectively a business owner in the eyes of the IRS. Mm. And what that means is now for the first time, you can legitimately write off a lot of expenses, um, money that you have already been spending anyways, all these years. So common examples might be, you know, um, certain car related expenses, right? If you're driving Mm -hmm. properties to local real estate clubs, uh, driving to the bank, um, you know, if you have a home office uh, that you, you, you're, where you're reviewing property deals and things like that, now part of your home expenses like utilities, interest taxes, um, security stuff could become tax deductible. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the, the, the biggest change, I would say, is that, you know, getting into a real estate investing, as an example, now you, 
you put on the hat of a business owner mm-hmm. and you can start to legitimately deduct some of these expenses. So, you know, get into the habit of tracking these expenses, um, making that part of your daily life, you know, before mm-hmm. you spend money on something, ask yourself, is it, is it reasonable that I would spend this money as a real estate investor? If the answer is yes, then make sure you're tracking that. Um, I mean, in terms of books, I, if I may, I would <laughs> plug my Please, book. I was, I was going to do it if you didn't. <laughs> um, so we wrote a book um, called Tax Strategies for the Savvy Real Estate Investor. Um, and uh, it's a little bit different than, than maybe other tax books that people have read. Um, our intent in writing the book was... Um, actually, I, I read a couple of textbooks that were written by other CPAs, and we do that just as part of, you know, training. Make sure we we understand all the strategies that other people are using. And what I found is in reading some of those books that I was falling asleep myself mm-hmm. I, as a CPA. You know, it's a very uh, technical with references to the code section. And so I thought, you know. Um, if I'm an investor, regular investor, I want to learn about real estate taxes, how to save taxes. Uh, how could someone stay awake enough to even learn the benefits of these? So um, when we wrote our book, uh, Matt and I decided we're going to do it in a very um, story, you know, in a story format where it's kind of easier to understand. So we use a lot of client examples, client stories, and we talk a lot about what you can deduct. Uh, what kind of legal entities will make sense. And a lot of that apply, you know, specifically for real estate, but some of that also can be applied to business as well. So um, highly recommended resource. <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, I read that book before you and I connected and that, that's actually how I think the first time I heard about you. Um, and that book gave me a huge understanding of what some of the tax implications and strategies that could be employed that are totally allowed by the IRS code that I had no idea. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I read that, and then we talked the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so much that I'm missing that (laughs) I'm just leaving on the table for no reason at all. And, you know, just like the solo self-directed retirement account and Mm-hmm. what entity you form and why and just yeah. what situation it's so there's so many um great examples in that book and and obviously once someone goes there and then decides to reach out to you they can uh talk about their specific situation and what might make sense for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly exactly so we're getting towards the end of the time here with the show and i do want to respect your time and and thank you for that uh bringing bringing uh, all that to us. Um, if someone were, were going to just tune into the next 30 seconds of the show and you only had that time to communicate one message about um, kind of getting started in the next chapter of their journey and, and going forward and, and achieving their investment dreams, what would that question or what would that piece of advice be? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I think the one piece of advice I would give people or the listeners would be to take action. And mm-hmm. I'm sure other people say that all the time, but I think um, to give a specific example, and this is kind of how I like to do things, um, is to throw away the to-do list, right? Instead of having a to-do list of like, okay, here's the 10 things that I need to be doing. Um, I like to schedule what I'm going to do. So I live off of a calendar because on my calendar is, you know, work stuff, investment stuff, uh, all kind of you know, personal parties, <laughs> so everything is on my calendar. And so 
you know, if I'm, I'm looking at doing something, I like to schedule it so that there is already a time slotted on my calendar to be doing that. So, you know, if you're someone looking to get into real estate, you said, okay, well, my first step is I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for a good, uh, you know, real estate uh, agent or broker that could help me find great deals. Okay? And so, so instead of just putting on my to-do list, I would like to schedule that in. So this Friday, uh, between, you know, eight and 10, that's what I'm going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I really like that because it forces me to actually, you know, take action. It's already on the calendar. So Friday, when that time comes, I have nothing else scheduled. There's nothing else going on because uh, I've already blocked it off. And so that forces me to then take action on whatever that next step is, you know, interview, um, you know, for a good real estate broker or, you know, review these five, 10 deals that I, you know, I, I am interested in. Um, it helps to make sure that you, you know, take action on progressing the, you know, your investment or business goals. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> that's amazing. You're essentially, you're talking about time blocking and committing to something that you put on your calendar. Yes. yes. I didn't know there was a term for that. I like that time blocking. <laughs> I, it's, I, I guess that's a real estate agent thing. We, we talk oh. about time blocking all the time and very few of us do it well. <laughs> oh, okay, good. I'm going to start using that term. I never knew there was an official way to describe it. <laughs> Look at that. I can, I'm finally teaching you something. Oh, <laughs> you teaching me about great. taxes for all these years and now, now here I am teaching you something. This is great. Yes. Thank you. Time blocking. Awesome. Um, well, maybe that can be your second book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of books, we're, we're going to roll into our final segment uh, of the show, which is called The Focus Five. And it's the same five questions that I ask every guest on every show. And I am excited to uh, hear what you have to say. Uh, and, and with the book comment, uh, the first question is, what book do you gift most often uh, and it sounds like your, your book is probably one of those answers, but I'm wondering besides that one, if you have another one that you'd like to recommend. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the, I do gift my book the most often to our clients. Um, uh, one of my favorite books is four hour work week. Mm. Um, and uh, I love that book because it really, um, you know, I think I learned about how to delegate and you know how to prioritize and, and make the best use of my time, um, you know because like one of my passions in addition to you know real estate and taxes is, is really business, business business building building systems. Um, I really love it when I create you know when I do something and I say oh this is a great way uh, this is a great system to build around it to make it efficient you know to make it better and um, the far work we kind of you know embodies that concept but in a more clever you know clever way so it's sure. a cute little book that I definitely recommend. Delegation and systems love it. Uh, so if you could get an hour of someone's time who's past or present or alive or dead and ask as many questions as you want, who would that person be and why? Mm, that's a really tough question. Um, there are so many people. <laughs> there are so many people. I think I should start a podcast so I can get their time and ask them questions. There you go. What, a, what an idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that is it. Yeah. So, um, gosh, there's so many people. But I guess if I had to pick one, um, maybe my grandfather, uh, who's now passed away, Um I think the reason would be I, I would want to know kind of his secret formula to success. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was the first one. 
um, that, that, you know, that I know of, I guess, at least in my lifetime, uh, he escaped communist China, uh, you know, with his babies and my grandma and, you know, they went on to build uh, a really good business um, in luxury watches mm-hmm. uh, in Asia and, you know, investing and then later helped his kids and grandkids immigrate to the U.S. I just feel like, it, you know, someone who's lived in, you know, uh, in, in multiple countries and built businesses and grown, you know, a large family. Um, so I, I would just love to know, like, you know, looking back on his life, what were some of his successes and obstacles, um, you know, to achieve that? Fantastic. Uh, what is one thing you believe that you think most people would disagree with you on? Uh, I don't know that people disagree with me on a lot of stuff, or at least they don't tell me that to my face. <laughs> um uh, Generally, when you when you give advice, it's like, oh, here's what we can do, and here's it's going to save you ten thousand dollars. You're like, yeah, I agree with that. Great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the disagree. I think uh, you know a lot of people are under the impression that the more money you make, um, the more taxes you would pay. Um, and so, uh, so, so you know, that's something that that maybe people disagree with me on. I, I think uh, for me, it's it's not about how much money you make; it's about the type of money that you make mm. that determines how much taxes you pay. So, you know, W-2, uh, going back again, W-2, you know, by design, you pay the highest uh, tax uh, because they're not really much write-offs versus rental income. As a, an alternative example, you pay very little, if any, taxes. So, mm-hmm. you know, someone could be, be making $100,000 of W-2 versus $100,000 of rental income, they would pay very different tax. So, um, you know, the disagreement is, hey, you know, you pay more taxes because of more income. No, you pay more taxes because of the type of income that you're making. Mm, I love that advice. That's that's a great mindset shift there. Mm-hmm. Um, and give us give us a quick glimpse of your morning routine with with all of your family and your business and everything. How do you start your day? Yeah, uh, I start my day the the night before. <laughs> so I am a planner, and uh, so the night before, I like to get everything set up. You know, for um, I have two kids now, so you know, breakfast, school. Uh, my lunch, I pack my lunch every day because I like to work through lunch and, and you know, be, not work through lunch, but I like to be at my desk through lunch and, and, and just, you know, do additional reading and stuff like that. So um, I try to prepare everything the night before as much as possible so that in the morning I'm less stressed, uh, you know, just kind of have to heat up food and, and um, you know, get the kids to school and get to work. So uh, pretty stress-free. Uh, in terms of morning routine, I'm a morning person. So whenever possible, I, I love getting to work earlier in the morning before anyone's here. Um, I feel like I can get the most done during that time. But, you know, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> Sometimes I, I can't come in earlier. But when I do, that's also that's generally my preference. Um, I prefer to work earlier in the morning rather than staying late to finish up work. <laughs> mm. So you're, you plan out the night before so you can get going out the door, get to the office and, and start your day quickly so that you're not, you're not wasting time at the end of the day playing catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I know people, you know, in our office, we have people who are in different schedules. We have people who are here early, early in the morning. And then we have people who prefer to come in later, but stay later. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's just a matter of, you know, when I feel, you know, my, my, my peak potential hours are early in the morning when, you know, my mind is, you know, pretty free. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, well, Amanda, thank you for, for that. And um, can you give us the place where we can find you online the most so, our, so the audience can connect with you? 
Yes. Um, well, um, I think our website is probably where you'll find the most information. That's www.keystonecpa.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-C-P-A.com. Um, I also blog on Bigger Pockets, so you'll find me there quite often. And um, uh, a lot of, you know, if you're someone who likes videos more, we are, we're also um, on various parts of YouTube. Uh, not our own channel, but just various, you know, speaking engagements where we teach about tax strategies for real estate. So um, all three of those are great places where you'll find me. Probably too much, too much of my information. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Well, we will uh, link to all of that in the show notes so folks can uh, find you, connect with you there. Um, and Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show and bring in some fantastic advice in your story and uh, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. All right, Amanda. Well, thank you. That was the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed that as well. If you want to check out Amanda's book, I have it in the show notes below as well as her website, just keystonecpa.com. Uh, you can go check her out there and then also type in Keystone CPA to YouTube. There's some really great videos and tax advice they have there if you want to just start on YouTube. And while you're in the show notes, uh, make sure you take some time and get on my calendar so we can connect uh, so I can get to know you a little better you can get to know me and hopefully together we can talk about how to make this podcast even better with types of guests questions that sort of thing I'd like to hear what's resonating with you and and how to make it even better so until then this is Hans Strazina with another way to play signing off and remember make every chapter better than the last Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief SNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.